Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Growing Up Female with me, Connie Simmons. This is the podcast where we chat about what it's really like to grow up female behind the shiny social media profile. I'll be chatting to a whole host of young, inspirational women about race, beauty standards, periods, body shaming, sex, relationships, social media, everything it means to grow up as a female today. Today's guest would have been an absolute dream during my pregnancy and after having Macy. I needed someone like the fabulous Louise, or as you may know her, the honest midwife in my life at that time. She is so passionate about her role as a midwife and she supports women and mothers and fathers in person and online at I would say the most important time of their life with all her heart. And she's here today on Growing Up Female to talk more about mental health around pregnancy and I'm going to say parenthood, not just motherhood. Louise, welcome to Growing Up Female. Hello, Connie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yes, fine, thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. This is something I feel really um, passionate about talking about because it's something that's affected me personally. It's, It's just such a massive topic. And I think even now, with all the knowledge that we have about mental health, we still don't really talk about it that much Um, and Mm. especially from partners point of view which is a field that I really do think is so important because I think they Mm. get really lost Um, and also when they suddenly find themselves with their partner who's struggling they just have got no idea how to how to navigate it so I think it's great that you're doing this chat today. Oh, thank you. No, and thank you for being a part of it. I can get like the proper facts. You know, I can only talk about my experience, but you know, I'm here to learn from you as well for future pregnancies and to help support my friends and family and anyone around me um, going through parenthood for the first time. Um, I I was definitely naive going into it because I've always been quite strong-minded. I've never um, suffered with any sort of mental health. Um, issues and when like my aunties mentioned to me oh you know Connie there is the baby blues like just be aware you know they might come in the third day when your milk comes in and I kind of was like oh thanks whatever um and oh my god why didn't I just say to her oh really tell me more like what am I what you know what am I to expect you know what's the best thing for me to do um she did say look and just call me if you need me which was amazing and my family was so supportive but I think if I was more prepared for it, I, I would have felt a bit more in control. 
Um, so yeah, it just, it just, yeah, it did, it did shock me. And I think I was lucky that Ricky, before we had Macy, he was really good at listening to podcasts about parenthood and watched a lot of YouTube videos from a father's perspective. Though all the ones he watched and listened to were actually from like men and other dads. And so he was really understanding of hormones and what to expect from me and my mood. Um, and there is yeah. slowly, we are slowly getting more and more out there, um, especially from a partner's point of view. I know for myself, I mean, my eldest son now, Jack, he's 17. So, you know, quite a long time ago. Um, but the thing for me was that all I'd ever wanted really, and, and I say it now and I think well, it sounds a bit daft, but all I ever wanted was to have a baby. I didn't really, my sister was really sort of career minded at the time and she went to university and all that. And, and as much as I, I didn't necessarily want to sort of do it when I was 16, I knew that it was in my path, that, that that's what I wanted to do. And so I don't think I ever spent any time stopping to think what being a parent would be like. I just yeah. thought I wanted to be one. And yeah. then, so there was, you know, we sort of we we got pregnant and I was pregnant and I was fine and I was excited and I was looking forward to it and then suddenly I had this baby and mm. my body was I mean I was overweight before I fell pregnant and then suddenly I was really overweight we had didn't have any money um we'd got our own house but I didn't know very many other people and suddenly I was just completely lost and really overwhelmed mm. and and I think because I, I never struggled with bonding with him ever, mm. I never, it was never a doubt in my mind that I loved him more than anything, mm. but I really struggled. And it took me a year to actually finally say, I'm not right. This isn't right. And I think in that year, my husband went through it far more than he would have done if after a month I'd said, I'm not right. Mm. Um, so I think that whole thing about women and you know new mums they want to appear that they're really loving it and enjoying it mm. but actually it's I think it's more normal to have those wobbles and that time where you just think oh I really miss yeah. my old life yeah I'm so with you I think it's like you don't want to you don't want to come across like you're a bad mum or that no. you know you've rushed into something or you know you're not capable a lady Amy who does our developmental baby massage she's amazing and um when she had her little girl, I knew from a, I knew that she told me that she was an opera singer. But you know, when someone tells you something and you're just a bit like, "Oh right, okay." I just think in the back of my mind, I thought she sort of taught kids singing and that. I didn't really pay much attention. Probably. Yeah. And then she had a little girl, and I'm good friends with Amy now. She'll she won't mind me telling this story. And one day she came to my bumps and babies group, and she just sat there. She just looked quite despondent. And I said, mm. "Are you okay?" She had her daughter in her arms. I said, "Yeah." I said, are you enjoying it? And she went, it's all right. Mm. And I said, what's the matter? And she said, I am bored out of my brain. Yeah. And I said, uh, and I was, I was like, oh. I said, well, what is it that you're missing? She was like, well, this time last year I was in China touring the world. And I was like, what do you mean? She said, well, oh I'm an opera singer. And I was like, oh, my God. But she's, you know, she's sung in, in the Royal Albert Hall, Sydney Opera mm. House. You know, she's done the yeah. work. And she said, and suddenly, she said, it's not that I don't love her. I just feel lost. And she lost mm. that feeling of her own identity and who she was. Yeah. I think really a lot of women struggle with this. And I think even more so in modern day, because women are doing so much more than they did. Back in the day, you were a mother, you, you know, you cooked and cleaned and that was your role. 
And now women are so much more than that. And I think it is making that transition harder, that transition into motherhood harder. I think our expectations are higher as well. Yeah. I think we expect more out of life. I mean, I know my mum said to me, you know, we didn't, we didn't think about holidays because it just wasn't even on the yeah. agenda. Whereas I think now our generation, we, we break our backs to go on a two-week holiday. We spend the whole year making ourselves miserable, paying for a holiday. <laughs> it's over in a flash, isn't it? And, I know. And I do sometimes think, gosh, that simpler life, which I think has really come out during corona because everybody's been forced to a certain degree into a simpler life, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That is true. It's made made a lot of people appreciate the the little things in life. And there's a lot of people that aren't going on holiday um, this year and just enjoying what they have around them, which is really nice. I think it yeah. it, it did make me, um, it, I did really enjoy that one-to-one time with Macy. I was more worried that she was bored of me and like, oh, do I have to play with mum again? Like today. Yeah, the, it, kids, it, it, the reports that are coming out is kids have never been happier. And I know my oh, wow. sister who worked like full time, they both worked full time, they had a nanny and then suddenly my sister was at home. Um, my niece had been having um, nightmares beforehand and just, you know, things that crop up, you know, night mm. terrors. And all the way through the lockdown, nothing. She was as happy as anything. Oh, wow. And do you think that's because her mum was home? I think it was just because they had this everyday stability of knowing what was what and and I, I, I know for myself, I know that there are people who've had horrendous times during lockdown and I'm not, um, yeah. I'm not taking away from that. But I know for me, that simplicity of, and I think as well, do you know what, Connie, I've worried less about my appearance, not mm. in a let myself go sort of way, but you know, that stress of going, I mean, I always look at your pictures, you always look fabulous, but you oh. know, that whole just going out and all oh, what to wear. And I've, I've got mm. a real thing. I don't, I never feel particularly comfortable in my own skin. And I haven't missed that because I've not been going out. That's one way of solving the issue. <laughs> yeah. Let's but also I think, I do, but I also think there's a lot less, like I care less if I repeat an outfit. I care less about all of that crap. It's just material. It's just things and it's not important. And I think that with Macy, there was this like, oh my gosh, um, you know, she should be going to um, play groups and she should be doing sensory all the time. And when things started easing, I was like, right, I need to go to farms, zoos, aquariums. I need to do everything that she's missed out on. And then I just had to take, she's 16 months. So I just, I know. (laughs) So I just, no, 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 it's it's funny. I had to just stop. And I I got a really good message from a follower, actually. And this is why I love social media, because my followers keep me grounded and sane as much as I help them. And she said, Connie, like, that's not real life. And, you know, our expectations are so ridiculous and I think social media plays a part because you see people going on these gifted trips and you know with our job there is flexibility and it's about creating content so it's like right where should we go today to get amazing content that's not real life and um I had to remind myself that um and yeah just bring things back down to earth but um I just want to go back to like the very start of everything and motherhood before we go into detail about other things because that's where I struggled most because right now I, the thing I'm struggling with is juggling work and being a mum 
Um, but I wouldn't say it's affecting my mental health. I feel like I can cope with it. What I couldn't cope with was one, my aftercare at the hospital was just so bad. It was so bad. I felt so neglected and it wasn't what I imagined. I woke up on my birthday. Well, I didn't wake up because I didn't sleep the whole night. Um, but it was my birthday and I had this tiny little five pound 13 baby. I wasn't expecting her to be that small. No one was prepared for her to be that small. Everyone told me I was having an eight pounder. Um, and I had to go into theatre to get my placenta removed. I haven't told anyone this either. I haven't posted about it on Instagram because I don't want to scare other mum, other mums. But um, my placenta went back up because my umbilical cord broke off and I had to get that manually removed. And um, there was a lot of blood and all of those things. And I thought I was fine about it. But I think it actually traumatised me without realising. It was a lot to take on. It is such a lot to take on, and and anybody who's been on my classes knows that it's not a new thing we do in the classes. And I feel so, oh, I don't even know what the right word is, but it, it really drives me mad that when when young couples um, for the first time are having their antenatal classes, it's all such a focus on perfection, on you know this water birth or everything being lovely and the golden hour and this baby just latching on and it all being beautiful and and I've had quite a lot of backlash recently for sort of saying you know whatever your experience is it's normal as long as you're not traumatized by it so if you have a a cesarean section emergency cesarean and you look back like I did and say that was a really positive experience then that's normal and that's not to take away the the beauty of the water birth but it's basically sort of trying to say you know where was anybody in the antenatal period for you Connie saying to you so sometimes when your baby's born your placenta may not deliver naturally and you may need to go to theatre where was all that education that's so quick and easy to deliver and the the preparation for your partner who will have stood there thinking oh my god what's going on Whereas actually, where's Connie gone? And, you know, I, I think that we could make such a difference to women's experience postnatally if we prepared them properly antenatally. And, you know, this this whole focus that there is on this perfect hypnobirthing and, you know, hypnobirthing is wonderful, but it's not just for your water births. Um, and I think as well, like you say about the aftercare, I just hear it time and time again. And, it's such a shame because the vast majority of women will say that their care that they received in labour was excellent, but that the care that they received afterwards was pretty dire. Well, non percent it's dire. It's just that the, you're, it's like, oh, there's your baby, brilliant, see you later. Yeah, I heard the midwife say, don't go to her at the end just yet. She's already, she's, she's, it's her second child. She's totally under control. Um, yeah. We need to help her and her. And it was my first child, but I had looked after babies before because of my cousins and I was not in it I was my sheets were covered in blood I had a catheter I couldn't reach Macy but because you know she wasn't screaming and you know I was quite I I, you know I'm like right this is the situation you got to deal with it I seen together I was left 
And I just thought that no mother should be left and they shouldn't be like, you know, you know, they're obviously lacking in staff or something. So massively lacking. And I think, to be fair, you know, those same midwives that give you excellent care on the labour ward are the same midwives that, that aren't able to deliver on the postnatal ward. So it's not that they suddenly change from being an angel to not caring. It's the fact that they probably have 11 or 12 women that they're looking after in yeah. one shift on their yeah. own. And yeah. there, there just isn't enough. There isn't enough to give. What's the best advice you'll give then to to a mother? You know, for her aftercare, how can you best prepare? Because obviously, you know, you can't say, you know, we can't control the employment of midwives for aftercare, or whatever. That's kind no, of out of our can't. control. So what can what what can we do as mothers to prepare best for that aftercare? Because everyone I know just has had a terrible time. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think there is no sort of silver bullet solution. I think one of the key areas that does cause a lot of anxiety for new mums is feeding. Um, and I think because we teach it mm. so poorly in this country with regards to how breastfeeding works, there is so much anxiety that doesn't need to be there. So I'd say the first thing is definitely if you're planning on breastfeeding, um, try and get onto a decent feeding course obviously I do a decent feeding course but you know what we don't want is videos that show perfect breastfeeding we all know what perfect breastfeeding looks like we don't need that as women what we need is a class that will actually say to us okay so in day one this is going to happen you're going to feel like you don't have enough milk but that's okay because it's part of the physiological process so that sort of thing I think can help if you're going into it eyes wide open with your breastfeeding. I think also um, having um, some some food on you, like nice food, snacks, that sort of thing. So that, you know, I mean, I remember when I had Jack by cesarean, um, this, this support worker just popped her head around the door. She went, breakfast's on the trolley and walked off. I couldn't walk. I couldn't get up. Oh, and I was my like, God. Um, That's what I mean. And I, I, I wish I could come up with a, a brilliant solution. Um, I don't think there is necessarily a brilliant solution. I think possibly sort of saying to the midwives at the beginning of the shift, would it be possible for you to, you know, can I buzz? Can I? And, you know, they will say yes, but it, it's just very difficult because they are spread so thin. For me, I think my advice would be just kind of prepare to not have some yeah like even if you get a private room I didn't have a private room but even if you get a private room just be prepared to not have you know the one-to-one -one attention that you would like you know, after you've gone through something really exhausting um just I think if you can mentally prepare yourself to have to be quite independent so make sure that before your partner or your mother whoever your birthing partner is to have the the everything you need around you your charger yeah. um you know your phone your the milk your bag in in reach because I also had a catheter and I couldn't move and you know it was so painful um so having all of that close to you make sure it's all around it's your before anyone leaves you that you're in a comfortable position and that you've got what you need um to reach and I actually preferred to have Macy on my chest that first night I think as well, really anticipating, I think Which is as sad as it is, <laughs> anticipating that, like you said, you know, whilst you're in that hospital during the nighttime outside of visiting hours, 
you may get very minimal support. Mm. Um, and as, as sad as that is, I think going in with really low expectations um, is better than going in expecting mm. it to be wonderful. And I mean, I think as well, yeah. especially if you've got really I good agree. support at home, you know, don't don't feel worried about going home. You know, if you're feeling that the support mm. is not great in the hospital, as long as, as long as you're not clinically unwell, you know, go home, you know, if you've got your mum around or, you know, your partner. But mm. not everybody does have yeah, that support. Yeah, you're at home, I think. I know. I know. It's, it's sad. And um, it is really sad that we have to say, you know, you know, don't have high expectations. But hopefully that will improve. I think as much as we've said as well that we like social media and the support that it brings, I think it is really easy to get swallowed up with what you see. And we see wonderful, lovely pictures of new mums with their babies seemingly. And in that snapshot, it just looks like everything is perfect. And it's Mm. just, it's not like that for anybody. It doesn't matter who you are, but you're going to have good days and bad days. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I see new mums and I'm like, oh, that's such a nice picture. She looks so happy. She looks like she slept. Or I might see someone who's had a baby four weeks ago and they're out walking around or they're having a pub lunch. And I'm like, I could not do that. I had no desire or energy or want to leave the house for quite like quite a few weeks. And it's made me question whether I had postnatal depression or not. I'm not really sure. Like I had moments where I was like, I can't do this. I'm not very good. And my mum and my mum's had four children and Ricky were like, you're actually doing such an amazing job to the point where you should probably go and have a nap. And she was, she's fine with us. Like you need to go and rest. You're almost doing too much. And then I, then I would be like, but only I can look after her the way she needs to be looked after. I am her mother. Like, and she needs me. She knows it's me. She'll know I'm not there. Like, that's the thoughts that were going through my head. It wasn't because I didn't want her and I couldn't, I didn't have that bond, like you said. It was because, one, I was physically aching so much. Like, I don't think people talk enough about how physically draining it is and how painful it can be afterwards. Like, you're so uncomfortable sleeping, plus you're not sleeping because you've got a baby waking up. But, like, the emotional and the mental, the, the, like you go from being this pregnant woman who's like so excited about meeting her baby to like, oh my God, every worry and concern goes through your head. Like I at think 100 miles per hour. Such a key point, um, Connie, because one of the things, so I, I run a wellbeing workshop um, with a chap called Mark Williams. And Mark is the founder of International Fathers Mental Health Day. and two weeks after they had their first child um his wife ended up having to go into a secure unit because she basically had severe um postpartum psychosis basically and six months after that mark himself had a mental breakdown and one of the things that we talk about in the the well-being workshop is that pregnancy is such a time of excitement for everybody so you know, whenever you announce that you're pregnant, nobody really turns around and says, right, well, you need to sit down. We need to have a serious talk. Everybody's so excited, aren't they? And it's so animated. And those next few months are about what's the nursery going to look like, buying the pram. You know, your parents might want to take you to buy this or they might want to buy that. And everybody's so excited about this new arrival that it's almost like we build it up and built it up. And I always think it's a bit like a wedding in the fact that, you plan for that one day 
and you mm. don't really think about what it might be like to be married <laughs> um, so and it's true. suddenly like you know you get off your honeymoon and you're a bit like right okay where's everybody gone and you know it's it's just that flurry of excitement and I think it's a hard workshop to, to do because it's not like you want to sort of piddle on everybody's chips as such you know you don't want to put a dampener on it but it's just about saying right let's stop and think about a few things that might come up that you may not be expecting because for the vast majority if we name 10 things you're probably going to get at least one of them that crops up that you weren't expecting and I I know a couple I've um, that have been on my courses and um, one of the key issues for them was his parents that caused a real, not through anything other than the best of intentions, but just not really getting the boundary thing. And it ended up in like real stress and anxiety for everybody involved. So I think it's just having the ability to, I I think a lot of it is key in the antenatal period. I think trying to deal with these things postnatally without any consideration beforehand I think I think if we really stopped and thought about it and wrote down some strategies and how we would like to think we would deal with things, I think that would equip us better to deal with them. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I mean, I've definitely learned from this one. I didn't go to any classes. You're probably going to like, oh, kill me. But I didn't go to any. I don't know why I felt so confident. I felt so like, I can do this, you know. I, I, I don't... don't feel that, actually, because I feel, unfortunately, that there is so many bad classes out there that I think it's, in Put some me ways, off. I think, yeah, I think in some ways you dodge a bullet. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go to a class and then make out everything was perfect and I didn't want to go to an old-fashioned class I, I hate all the old wives tales and all I want to I want to hear the truth that's why I love you I want to hear the reality of it and I knew I wouldn't get that 
And I'm just, I'm just not about that. I, I just wanted to figure out motherhood for myself, actually, which is probably quite brave. Um, yeah, and very. It, and, it, and it's probably because I knew that the support work, net, support network around me was great. So, you know, if I needed anything, I'd have that support from them. But yeah, I was like, right, I'm going to do this my way and see how it goes. But I've learned so much from that for the next time around. Like, I'm not having visitors if I don't fancy it. Like, I felt so much pressure to have visitors. I just, I felt like, you know, everyone had to be up at the hospital and it was going to be like it, like it was some sort of fairy tale. And I'm lying there and I'm thinking, what was I thinking? Like, why are all four of my brothers here? My in-laws, my mum and dad, <laughs> I, I'm like, I was absolutely, I, I was ballooned. I was full of water attention and I was just on another planet. And you're you so know, vulnerable. Um, you are so yeah. vulnerable. And I think, I, I don't know. I just, I feel that we, we do labour care very well, but I think we have allowed so many different organisations that don't have that reality grounding to set up these classes that just focus purely on, you know, your body can do everything. And, and actually, we all know that our, all of our bodies are different and we all have very different capabilities with our bodies and some of them work perfectly. And some of us don't, you know, I didn't, I didn't dilate. I ended up with a cesarean. You managed to birth, but you couldn't get rid of your placenta. And, it, you know, but, but the top and bottom of it is that we both came out with beautiful babies and survived. And what we don't want is for, I just think that we need to stop idealizing it and start being realistic with people and honest. It's the same with breastfeeding. It's all so much about how it's the most wonderful thing in the world and it's the most natural thing in the world. And I think if we were more honest with women and taught it about the difficulties, the struggles, why people struggle and gave coping strategies, I think our breastfeeding rates would be better, not worse. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's so much judgment, isn't there? And. Yeah. And it just really irritates me like, that other women can judge other women. I just want to ask you, after your day three, when you said your milk came in and, your, and it came with your emotions, how long did that last for you, Connie? Um, I think I struggled for the first, up to the first 12 weeks. I don't think, I don't think mine was milk related. No. Well, I mean, the baby blues as such as your auntie was talking about, um, that shouldn't last any more than a couple of days. Yeah, no. I I I had all sorts. I was similar to you, like you said, with your body. I found it really hard to look in the mirror and see something completely different because I've had body image issues in the past and, like, you know, seeing some, seeing, looking at myself and not recognising myself was really hard. Um, being in so much pain was really hard. And it all made it hard for me to, I just didn't, I, it made it hard for me to enjoy, enjoy it. And I'm like, well, actually, how do you enjoy sleepless nights, um, looking after a baby that you don't know what they want, your body's aching, you look completely different, your body's changed, you're bleeding, you're wearing big pants, like big knickers. Like, how do you actually enjoy that? Maybe that first part of becoming a mother isn't about enjoyment, but about survival and that's okay. I think you're right. I think I think we just I think our expectations again. If you go back to when, well, I'm, I'm older than you, but you know, years ago in the seventies, when when women were parenting, 
they didn't go to bloody jiggy wigglers or whatever it's called or baby <laughs> sensory or I mean my mum just I know my mum baby just yoga she's like what the hell is this about <laughs> you know they were at my house the she day just and they, they, they picked up a you know one of these things that you put in the cot that plays white noise and all that and mum was like yeah. what is this I was like, oh, it's a white noise machine. And she just shook her head as if to say, whatever next. <laughs> and I do find myself with all the, the kit and caboodle that you guys can buy now, it's 100 times worse than it was 17 years ago. And even I find myself shaking my head thinking, oh, my God, where, where do you actually sleep? How do you actually get room for all this stuff? So I think, you know, years ago, you know, you had your cot, you had your pushchair, you had six bottles. And that's it. And and again, it's like when you think about when babies have um, reflux or colic, nowadays we will buy every single bottle on the sun and we'll Amazon it and it'll all be there the next day. When our parents were parenting, you had six bottles and you couldn't afford to buy any more. So it wasn't like – I don't think that the previous generations expected a solution as quickly as, as today's generations do. Yeah, yeah. It's so true. Macy had reflux and I just like tried all these different formulas. Um, I didn't actually change the, the bottles. I was happy with the bottles. I thought I went towards more formula. And when I changed the formula, it did work. Or whether the day I changed the formula was the day that she kind of grew out of the reflux. Yeah. You just don't know. Um, but you, you are but right. You I, 20 years ago, there was probably only two formulas on the market. Oh, yeah, of course. And probably only two types of bottles as well. And I always yeah. thought about that. You know, I'm, I'm quite an old soul anyway. But I always thought, well, what did my nan do? Like, my nan had eight kids, um, you know, from the age of 21 to, I don't know, she, one after the other. So probably, like, last child was probably at 30 or something. And, um, you know, they're all okay. They all survived you know what did she do she didn't like breast she didn't breastfeed she didn't she no, struggled with breastfeeding so my mom, nan's the same my nan had nine children and none of them were breastfed yeah um, and in actual fact when I said I was going to breastfeed my mum thought that it was primitive she was like oh no not for her <laughs> and literally that was what she was like oh oh yeah oh, no no um but that's probably helped with you and your outlook to be more open you've got women around you that are open to not following this perfect but just getting through it and surviving and and once I got past that 12 week I I, I don't know maybe my hormones were starting to balance out and maybe I was just getting more into the swing of things maybe she was sleeping a little bit longer she was she was feeding every um, hour because she was small and she could only drink one ounce at a time. That's all she would stomach. So I was I had a baby that would have an ounce. I'd wind her, put her down. She'd sleep for an hour, two hours if I was lucky, and then it was time to feed her again. It was hell. But as she got bigger, obviously that extended, and then I was getting into the swing of things. But it it that that feeling of like this is my whole life. Everything I've worked so hard for up until this point, I feel like has gone and I've lost. And yes, this baby is my world, but I also have another world that I feel like I've I've lost and it's taken me 10 years to build. Um, I couldn't see like how I was going to ever be a mum and Connie ever again. You are, and it you really are. I know. It, it is, it's, it's taken time though and it's taken a lot of like chats with myself, a lot of tears, like, I feel emotional talking about it now and I'm not even like on my period or anything. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think um, that's just a reflection on how far you've come. I mean, I see your Instagram and I just think you just, 
And I think that's half the danger, isn't it, in some ways, is because I look at your Instagram and I think, oh, God, I wish I looked like that. But it's oh, not, no. not that it's not, not that it's not real, but it's that whole, you know, I think it takes, I think what's nice about your Instagram is that we've seen you go through those tears and we've seen you come yeah. out the other side. And so there is that, that realism at the, behind it. Um, yeah. I, and I think it, it's just amazing that we can start to strive not to have it all because I don't think that's the right statement but I think we can be who we are as well as being a parent yeah I think think we have to lose everything that we are about ourselves but I think it's just a case of putting one on hold whilst the other develops yeah and 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 it just changing it's just that you're you're I'm Connie and I'm a mum but you know I just have to find that balance and work work it out you know it's just like an an extra string to my bow but obviously a very special one and I think it's also an important message because I'm sure you'll agree that you know any woman mother or father struggling with postnatal or just feeling no it might not be postnatal depression but you just might be struggling with like why am I why is this not a fairy tale why am I not enjoying this process as much as I thought I would and as much as everyone on Instagram is like I I can probably guarantee and I'm sure you'll vouch for me that every new parent is struggling and they're just not they've not just not showing it they're just not well, showing it and it's funny because talking about partners I obviously have done face-to-face groups for a long time and all the time new mums would come in and they'd sit down and they've been coming for three or four weeks with their baby and then one day they'll come in and they just look just not 100% and you're like you're okay and you're like they're like I'm gonna kill him he's driving me mad and you're like what and they're like he's just an idiot and I have to say up until starting doing work with Mark my stock response was oh come on they're all a bit idiotic at times you know it's just like but to be fair Mark has really made me think about it differently and his question is if you find yourself in that situation is pushing back and saying okay were they an idiot before you married them or before you had a baby with them and most women are going to say well no not really you know this is not so it's like so normal yeah the question is is we need to find out why are they acting like that so for mark what he said is that he suddenly started um eating more drinking more alcohol uh coming home late for work being a bit aggressive when he was out and he said all of it was because he actually wanted someone to row with him he wanted to have that he wanted to be able to find an outlet for the anger that he was feeling but he didn't know how to articulate it um and so I think it's these sort of things that make such a difference if you can think about them before your baby arrives. You know, as a couple, sit and chat about what if. And one of the most common things I often see is, and it's generally mums, that their partner will say, should we get a babysitter or ask my mum to have the baby or and let's go out for a pub lunch? And the mum will say, well, do you not want to take the baby with you? Like, well, no, it'd be nice just the two of us. Do you not love the baby? Yeah, I do. It would just be nice, just the two of us. And and mums struggle to understand why their partner doesn't want the baby there. But all the partner is saying is, I just miss it being just the two of us, which actually, when you take the hormones away, you can see both sides and they're both really reasonable, aren't they? Yeah. But when you're in that circumstances as a yeah. new mum, with all those hormones and that feeling yeah. of I'm not leaving my baby, yeah, it's difficult to 
to see the other person's side mm. and actually as a partner what they're saying is I'm struggling I just want a couple of hours just the two of us and it's so important that whether you want to do it or you don't want to do it even if as long as you, you know your baby is safe for two hours there may actually be some benefit in supporting your partner in that very yeah difficult. yeah it's so difficult and you know it's funny you say that because me and Ricky that were I was like that at the start I didn't want to leave her but now I feel like roles have reversed and Ricky works a lot and uh, he also manages a football team for fun. And so any other spare time, he wants it with us three. Whereas I'm with Macy all the time and I don't get to see him a lot. So I want to do more stuff, just me and him. But then he's like, well, would you not want Macy to come? And I'm like, well, yeah, well, yeah, but no. <laughs> And I don't want to sound like I'm like a mother that doesn't love her child. And he, I don't want him to think that I'm sick of our child or don't want us to have family time. But I do miss that that time with me and him. I don't think he would think that, though. And you, and I think that's one of the key things that's so important. And I know I've been with my husband now for oh, too many years. Um, but one of the things that kept us it's kept now I do love my husband that's kept us going is the fact that we really do talk and it's almost a bit like we have this sort of no holes barred you can say whatever it is that's bugging you even if I'm not going to agree because actually I think what what he learned quite early on is that when he kept things to himself it had more of a detrimental impact on me because you get to know your partner so well don't you and and I knew that there was things bothering him but every time I said is everything okay he was like no it's fine it's fine and then one day I just said to him look it's not fine and you're causing me more upset because the things I'm imagining and he was like, oh, no, no, you know, I absolutely love you. You know, it's just, you know, it's just that I feel a bit down with this or I'm struggling. And so now we do really make time to just check in every now and again and just be like, how, how are you feeling? How are you really feeling? And even now when our kids are 17 and 12, we still do have those times where I'll say, I just need to talk. And it's nothing serious. It might just be I'm fed up because I'm overweight, but it's like, I need yeah. to, to get off your it. chair. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest things to staying sane. And that's lovely that you can have you could you have that relationship with your husband. And I think um, you're right, like in saying that, kind of do start do that from the get go. Like especially if you're entering parenthood, both of you make that decision before the baby arrives to always be open with each other and without judgment as well. There's no parent out there that wants to not like wants to purposely feel like they haven't bonded with their, bonded with their child or wants to feel like they've lost themselves because they've had a child. No parent wants to feel these things, but it's very no. not can be very normal, natural because it is the biggest change child. in your life. You don't have no. to leave your child to have a date night, do you? You can just say, right, no. when we've put the baby to bed, we're gonna, I'm going to go and have a shower and I'm going to put on a bit of lipstick and I'm going to come mm. downstairs and we're going to sit and not have the telly on. So I think you can do it without even feeling the wrench of leaving your baby with somebody else. But I think it's just remembering that it was two of you at the beginning and somewhere along the line when these babies grow up, it's going to be two of you at the end. Again. And you want to still be there just together. Oh, I love that. That's such such an important point. Um, Louise, I've 
absolutely loved having you on today. Just to round up the podcast, can you give me your top three tips to new parents, um, you know, how to cope with any mental health issues that might occur? Like what are your top three tips? Okay, so my top tip is good antenatal education for both of you and really sort of, you know, just look at what you're signing up for and and ask some questions you know pick up the phone um find out is it a midwife-led course which I'm always going to be an advocate for um what do you cover do you talk about mental health do you talk about cesarean section so really sort of get armed with as much information as you can I think working out who your tribe is um you know we only need three or four people in our life but there need to be the people that we can absolutely talk to and I I think a good plan to say to those few people before you have your baby if at any time you see me slipping or you're worried about me I want you to tell me I want even even if I snap at you I want you to push back at me and tell me that you need me to talk to you um and what's my final one ask yourself three questions is your baby warm is your baby fed and do you love your baby? And if you are answering three, yes to all three, you're doing the best as that you can. Doesn't need any more than that. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. Thank you so much, Louise. You are welcome. I could literally talk to you all day. Oh, that's so nice to hear. I want to. I want to meet up for a coffee and talk and talk. (laughs) Lovely to speak to you. And hello to everybody out there having a baby. Come and join me on my classes. Yes, absolutely. And get following the Honest Midwife. Perfect. See you soon, Connie. Take care. Lots of love. Take care. Bye. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and maybe even share with a friend if you think they could benefit from listening to Growing Up Female. I'll be back next Wednesday with another amazing female. See you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.